Hello, I'm Najmi. And I'm Najwa, and this is Spread Love Not Hate. What is Spread Love Not Hate about, you might ask? Spread Love Not Hate, also known as SLNH, is a group formed with the idea of spreading positivity and awareness, and is for people to get a better and deeper understanding of mental health disorder, and those who experience them. We want to help the public realize that mental health disorders exist on spectrums that cannot be neatly packed into specific boxes or categories. In addition to helping those experiencing mental health disorders to better understand themselves, we also try to provide sources from which they can seek assistance. Each week, we will discuss about a topic regarding mental health and invite a special guest to join in the conversation and provide their insight. Without further ado, enjoy the podcast. So tonight, uh, we're just going to mainly discuss about like the stigmas around mental health, especially about viewing it as a spectrum. You know, you have many experiences with that, I believe, with uh, your, right, right. was it one of your lecturers who didn't believe you actually had, uh, you were part of the spectrum and wanted all your credentials and whatnot. So yeah. we wanted to, <laughs> to try to, you know, expose that more. So we, mm-hmm. I guess we could start off by asking like uh, some personal mm-hmm. questions. Like you can introduce yourself, your name and whatnot. Okay. Um, hi everyone. I'm Jeremy. I am 28 years old this year. And I spent three years studying in FCA. I just graduated like a month or two ago. Yeah, two, two months ago. That was my last semester. And... I am not your typical, you know, college student because I have gone through uh, working life before I went into studying. And in MMU, I studied uh, under FCA, which is the Faculty of Cinematic Arts. So you could sort of tell that that was where my trajectory was headed. I worked with Netflix, uh, Marco Polo, and um, a few other productions, and. Well, that was when I decided, you know what, entertainment could be a, a nice field to go into. Um, this would be quite important later uh, when I tell you about the the autism thing. But uh, for the time being, yeah, that was kind of how I got into FCA. And uh, I've been fortunate enough because when during FCA, I was uh, introduced by Miss Arena, one of the counselors, about this peer uh, counselor program. And I said, yeah, why not? Let's try to help some of the students. And so two years passed after that, after I, I signed up and nobody got back to me. And when they finally did, I, I'm already out You're of the already graduated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And then you got the email. <laughs> yes, inviting me to come in and have a chat. <laughs> finally, after two years. <laughs> wow. That must have been very anxious for you, know, two week for two years. Like, hmm, did they forget? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but by the same time, I don't think they did any sort of um, programs, right? Did no, they, there, there weren't any big programs as of recent, especially with COVID and whatnot. I see. They didn't have to get any physical uh, meetings or whatnot, so it was kind of unfortunate. So, like, what, what, uh, I, I heard before, like, before taking FCA, you were taking law, was it? Yeah, yeah, I uh, studied two years of law school, and this was right. in uh, Crescendo International College in Georgia. Oh, okay. So, after that, you went for FCA because you were um, more interested after, in that field? No, after that, I, I dropped out and I didn't know what to do with my life. And <laughs> so, I, I just went around, you know, doing stand comedy, doing. Um, 
some productions that I, I managed to meet people on set. You know, they're working on this thing. They ask me, "Hey, you want to join and help us?" You know, right? So I one, when you get into that sort of environment, right? You you don't have any background. It's all about who you know. And I've been quite lucky in that I, I knew quite a few people, and it was it it wasn't the you know the traditional like you study for this diploma or this degree and then you go out and work you you get a very different kind of experience that way for me i i came in there not knowing anything i wasn't taught any of it but i i learned you know through the the practice the practical yes the experience part of it uh and that was why i i fell in love with it i didn't have any knowledge of the you know the the what were they called in in Basa? Bode, you, you bode people to get the, the you know, or you backstab. You know, I, I didn't I didn't care about any of that. That's what we learn in an FCA. That's what we're taught, right? Sometimes, and when you go into that that sort of working environment and you learn from scratch without having any sort of influence, you do find a different sort of genuine love and like for the thing that you do. And that was that's kind of how I. I Got into this entertainment line. Oh, so it was like a, a sort of pure interest, lah. Like. Yes, it was. Really it was. Nice, nice. Yeah. So it's like, um, when did the, uh, was it, when did the uh, ADHD, uh, the autism diagnosis come? In? Was it be in your earlier in your life or? Much much earlier when when I was about nine years old. So I, I've oh. had the the extreme luck of um, not growing up here, as you can tell from my accent. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what what is fortunate about that is also this unfortunate thing about that as well, because while you know where I grew up, it is very open to mental disorders and you know everything that is you know mental health wise, they are quite um, up to date and quite open about it. That also means that you get diagnosed with a whole lot of things because they know a whole lot of things that might be wrong with you. They look at you and it's like, okay, so so normally when you're in Asia and you can't sit still, your parents will say you, you uh, what's this? Uh, you got ants in your uh, pants. Yes, ants in your pants. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. And, and their their usual response is to what hit you and sit still, uh, right? Like, sort yeah. of thing, right? Uh, wash your like, face, drink water, lah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Right, right. Um, or, or you know, staple your pants to the chair in some extreme cases, but. They sometimes, you know, in in Western side of the world, if you can't sit still, they will then think that well, you, you've got some mental disorder with you. And in my case, ADHD actually, that that was one of it. But uh, it all started for me because when I was about nine years old, uh, one of my teachers just saw me and it's like something bit off with this kid, and he's just took me aside, you know, chat with me for a bit, and then he. I think he came to a conclusion that yeah, all right, I might not actually know what's going on. I'm not a psychologist, but there's something wrong here. Um, so he, he tells me you, know, you should tell your parents to come see me one day. And I, so he goes and he tells uh, my parents. Well, of course, my parents went and met when met him, and uh, he told them they get him checked out by a psychologist. And then yeah, they found out there was uh, at that time it was called Asperger's syndrome, which you know they don't have anymore. Um, oh, because that used to yeah, be like that? part of the spectrum, but now it's just autism yeah. in general. 
Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, actually, now it's it's replaced by something called high function, high functioning autism. But oh. yeah, back then it was um, Asperger syndrome, um, and so then after that came the whole slew of you know ADHD, dyslexia, so on and so forth, and that was yeah nine years old. <laughs> so you were diagnosed very early on in your life, lah. Yeah. I had a, I have like a few friends who, uh, I have this one friend who is currently uh, going to, you know, they have, they have, they have those tests, right? And then his, uh, his psychologist is deeming him a possibility, a possible, uh, person who's undergo, who is experiencing ADHD. So the thing is, he's mm. diagnosed very late in life. He's not even finished diagnosing yet. He's still going through the exams, but. Mm-hmm. With his very late stage diagnosis, he's going through all these difficulties in school, and then it's very hard for him to convince his friends, his uh, teachers, especially his lecturers. Like uh, you know, he has the possibility of having ADHD. So I was, I was mm-hmm. kind of interested. Like, do you having a, an earlier, early stage diagnosis help in some way, or has that been a sort of challenge? Maybe some, your peers bullied you. Was that a thing that happened? Um, let's just give you a different analogy here, right? If I tell you, um, and okay, so now you know that I'm 28, but if let's say I was a, a whole lot younger, like about like 12 years old, and I told you, uh, I actually grew up in London, I didn't grow up in Malaysia. I don't know why everyone's talking to me like this differently, you know. And if I said to you at 30 years old, right, I, I, I grew up in London, I didn't grow up here. You look at my face and you're, the first thing you're going to think of is, hey, you Malaysian, right? Wait, talk, talk properly. Right? That's, that's, the, that's, <laughs> that's the main that's thing. That's a very common reaction. Exactly. So your, your, to answer your question just now was whether an earlier diagnosis would help. Actually, you've, you've seen it yourself. No matter what age I am, me saying whether it be the truth or whether it be, you know, something that I made or whatever, nobody's going to believe it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's all a matter of perspective, I would say. It's if, as long as, in Malaysia, I find as long as a person shows that they are just minutely normal, everyone will think straight off you're normal. There's nothing wrong with you, no ADHD, nothing. Because I don't, I, I'm sitting here talking to you. I can use English. Yeah, you you can understand me. Yeah, that's that's an unfortunate case. I can get that. So no matter how, uh, when you're diagnosed or not, it's it's the outside perspective of you is always going to be similar. So I guess my friend's experience is still going to be the same challenges, like. Um So mm-hmm. the thing, the thing I'm most interested about, especially in terms of like maybe this could help others like undergoing through the same process. Like, what should they expect? Because of course everybody's experience is very different. Like, but. What should they expect, and how should they deal with it? Like, in what, uh, in what scenarios? Okay. Um, I mean, I've very had... question. I apologize. No, 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 no. It's, it's not. It's not. It's actually a very good question. It's actually a very, very good question. And uh, I have been trying to to tell people, to the best of my ability, whatever you've asked me uh, for the past 
10 years or so now. I'm, I'm 28. I uh, got diagnosed at nine. So 20 years, almost 20 years, I've been telling people this. So um, it, it doesn't get any easier. Well, and you, you nowadays you have more awareness. Yes, people know more about depression. People know more about, or at least they've heard of autism. But when, when you think of, let's say, if, if you tell somebody autism, autistic, what do they automatically think of? The first thing they think of, Rain Man, right? The classic TV, the classic uh, film show. And they always think of somebody who goes around looking at the clouds and he's always mimicking things that he sees around him and he's reciting lines like he's some master actor, rote learning, every sort of thing. And that sort of assumption will always follow you through your life. You are branded from the moment you get that mark. I mean, if you have a diagnosis, people are going to look at you differently. If you don't, they will look at you differently as well. Because like I said earlier, right, um, ADHD, they will look at you if you're in Asia, you got ants in your pants. If you're in the Western side of the world, you've got ADHD. The, the perceptions are very different there. And if you don't have a diagnosis, people are going to look at you funny and they'll ask, why are you like that one? Be normal lah. But if you do have a diagnosis, the reaction is also going to be very different. It's usually going to be, stay away from me. Or and like, I don't know, but I have this thing where like, I, they, they, people also look weird. People look at these people like, oh, poor you. Uh, they feel very sympathetic. There is that. There is that. I, I'm not going to disagree there. Yeah, there is that sort of thing. But it depends on when you get to that area it depends really on the person whether or not they're that sensitive to it because i i know some people who like don't pity me i don't need your pity that sort of you know that that kind of reaction um but basically at the end of the day what i do want to to ask to the general public and not people who are diagnosed but the general public would be how difficult is it really to treat everyone as a decent human being whether, whether or not I have a diagnosis, whether or not I have something wrong in my head, if you see me, you wouldn't know. Whether or not I have depression, whether or not I have uh, Asperger's, whether or not if I'm wearing a mask now because it's COVID, whether or not I have Down syndrome, how would you know? Right? But it's the moment when you see, you see that diagnosis, you see something visual that tells you about it, then you will instinctively treat them differently and the the range of differences that what uh, Sophia just mentioned there can be pity can be abhorrence can be intolerance can be, it runs the whole gamut and that that is something that I have experienced people have literally called me a mental retard people have called me uh, a dumb idiot and I you know it's it's not it's not easy let's put it that way it's never been easy and um 20 years so far and it doesn't get any easier so if you you, you know back to what you're asking me what i can what advice i can give to these people uh, you know having a, a diagnosis or whatever um be strong that's at the end of the day you are all you've got okay 
Yeah, I think that's very good advice because even you like even even as a neurotypical, uh, sometimes I feel like I'm alone in the world. So when you when you think about people that really uh, have like very vast differences, and sometimes like, even I can't comprehend like uh, the sort of a lane or path of life certain people take, especially the neurodivergent people, the people that fall into the spectrum. I can imagine that that sort of experience can sometimes like tenfold on itself. So I feel like that advice is very much useful. Like get get like really good environment. Like get get a good circle of friends. But at the end of the day. You're the, the only person that can help you as yourself, and you need to fight on that. Yes, but you did mention something that uh, that that um, you know brings me back to why I brought up all that thing earlier. Um, okay, so you say something about being you know feel it tenfold. Yeah, for me, yeah, that does happen because um, part of uh, being an SP is that we have hypersensitivity, and mm. for me, it's hypersensitivity to almost everything actually: lights, sound. Uh, noise, uh, touch, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, lights are the most. Uh, the, the, they are the most um, obvious ones. I've got really, really um, fortunate, you know, in, in life to, to have met really, really good friends. And uh, Gladys sitting in here is one of them. She's brilliant. She's awesome. And she. You know, it's people like this who will make that journey so much more bearable, so much more enjoyable. Yeah, Hello, and <laughs> but also I I did you know back back to answering yeah hi Gladys uh, back to answering one thing that you mentioned about the, the the how to cope with it right. I mean it's not all that bad. It's not all that bad. There are some good signs as well, like for instance, uh, hypersensitivity to sounds. Right? And this is one thing. If you if you've noticed so far, I can do accents and I can mm. impersonate certain characters. Like maybe you've heard my voice before in some cartoon with yellow-skinned people. Wait, wait. Uh, I uh, have. Yeah, you know who it is. Uh, come on, you know who it is. Come yeah, on. Wait, wait, no, no. Say, say like a really iconic line. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe I'll get it. Hmm, oh no! Okay, much. Okay, that one was too obvious. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but it is really similar. It is. Really it is really similar. Okay. And, and of course, yeah. Thank you. I mean, if if I wanted to be lazy, I'll just go like the easiest easiest paycheck in movie history. It's just going. <laughs> It's Chewbacca, but anyone knows that. <laughs> or, I mean, you can just go for SpongeBob, and that's just fine. But you see, all of that comes from uh, hypersensitivity to noise because I, I can sort of tell the little differences between the pitch. And it, you know, it is about learning to embrace this, you know, good side of you that is how you make those dark days seem less dark. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's nice. That that's really nice advice. I think that's very uh, insightful, uh, especially like uh, especially nowadays, <laughs> where having that sort of uh, what do they call it? The circle of support, which is very difficult to maintain nowadays. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like, uh, uh, m moving from like the circle of support. I was kind of interested, like. Growing up, did you have like a very consistent circle of support, like your parents, or was it always like very fluid, like they would move in, move out? I mean, um, has that it, impacted you in any way? 
Okay, it it was mostly fluid, I would say. Um, and, you and moved a lot. That's what I was expecting. Like you moved a yeah, lot. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, there's that. Um, but also, it's more towards um, people getting fed up of you. At the end of the day, I mean, um, yeah, maybe not for neurotypical. I I don't I don't really know how you guys you know are in in your social life, but people tend to get pissed off at me a whole lot. <laughs> and um, it's yeah, it's it's quite fluid. And I, I, I would, I would, you know, I'd be lying if I said that it didn't affect my outlook on life. But when when you think about it, right now, my my most iconic catchphrase, my my philosophy is always going to be, I would rather be a cynic and watch all of my predictions come true than to be an optimist and be eternally disappointed. So yeah, yeah. That's, 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 really, that's that's really that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you, you kind of see how it affects you going out in that in that sort of situation where you yeah, constantly yeah. expect the worst of everyone. It's it's one of those like unfortunate things because it's like like you asked like you don't you don't know how like neurotypicals have with their social circles and like the mm. thing is yes we do get annoyed uh, because of course neurotypical uh, humans you know we we all get annoyed and I think like the experience you're experiencing I can like sort of give a reasoning to that. Is this it's sort of this unfortunate thing where it's like because we don't understand like your experiences and especially with the education like growing up you don't really get taught about mental illnesses in Malaysia so a lot of people are more ignorant towards that so like when they interact with you there's this possibility that you could do things that for you 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 think it's totally nice but they misunderstand that and they don't put any effort to understand you yeah. and like it's not 100% their fault and I can't 100% defend other neurotypicals because some, some people are just jerks it's totally normal to have actual jerks they exist yeah. but there's also that, that sort of unfortunate thing where some people don't put in the effort like me I have a friend who's neurodivergent I put in the effort I'm aware so yes I'll admit sometimes I feel annoyed but you know you sort of realise that that's how they act to them, they're just being friends. I would be the jerk if I would... You know, sometimes I tell them something that I think is nice and they get offended. So, you know, mm. we, we need to have that constant communication, especially between people that don't know the experiences of neurodivergence. One, the education system, but second, like when you're growing up, I think it, 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 comes to like, it comes to experience where it's this unfortunate thing that a lot of people that don't have experiences with a lot of friends that are not neurotypical, They'll come to assume everybody's the same. Everybody's like cookie cutter. So if you have that one person who's a bit off, they'll immediately brush him off as like annoying, lazy, mean. But on the other side, to them that they've labeled as annoying, they look at their they look at them and they're like, oh, but why are you being mean to me? Why are you saying I'm mean? You're the one being mean, you know? Because there's no communication, there's no effort to understand other people. Like the simple answer would be to improve the educational system, but you know that's a that's a whole ways off. But yeah, yeah I think but... I think that's like to answer that. That's the unfortunate thing. Is um, it's uh, you. Yeah, I think the friends that do end up getting annoyed by you uh, are just people that either are plain jerks or just unfortunate people that didn't grow up to you know understand that they should put the effort to understand you. And that's just like the unfortunate way of life. It can yeah, change, I, but I, yeah, <laughs> I, I do agree with it. I do agree with that. Um, yeah. And 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 I, I can give you a few examples. Like, I mean, 
throughout throughout the the course, right? Like, yeah. uh, I've I've had people tell me like they're they're pissed off with me, but at the same time, like when I ask them like what what exactly you know are, are you not happy with, right? Their first response is to, uh, you you go do self reflection lah. Kau tengok sendiri. Yeah, they they don't communicate, right? They they think you know what you're knowing. You think you know how you're knowing them, but to you, that's just who you are. And then yeah. they they don't take into account how they're knowing you. <laughs> exactly. <good>. Yeah. <laughs> there needs to be communication. You can't just say pandang lah, cermin. It's not good. It's not the exactly. way to go. Yeah, exactly. But but to that point, I do want to ask, like how how you know, since we're we're trying to to broaden outreach here, right? How yeah. how you know what advice would you guys have? Because you you guys are neurotypicals, right? What advice would you have for other people, um, uh, in, in trying to make that conversation happen? Well, um, I, I mean, yeah, I, have, exactly. I have a thing where like, if I can't stand it or something, I'll just talk to myself, like, be patient, yeah. try to understand them slowly, because I believe that everyone has their own problems, and sometimes their problems, they might suddenly like, accidentally burst it at you, so I just slowly accept it, and... Some people might call me as uh, like, oh, you're letting these people push you around or I, from my point of view, it's more like I'm accepting it because you don't know what these people are going through. You don't know mm. what happened to them before they came to you. So it's my point of view, it's like be patient because you don't really know what these people are going through or like what they're suffering with to their day-to-day life. And I mean... Everyone has a problem. It's just that how they handle it for me. Yes, exactly. I I agree with that. Like that's that you should in, try to increase your level of patience. Like. Yeah. Mm. And to that to that point, because uh, sorry, uh, I I do have a follow up to that because mm. um, then we come back to the whole issue of culture again because in Asia you guys don't really you know. If somebody annoys you, you don't really tell them to their face, right? You, you yeah, tend to just keep it's it in. Considered disrespectful, but uh, it has its ramifications. Yeah, exactly. So, so what? How? How would you you know advise people to overcome that barrier and be more open about communication? Because that's what you want, right? To communicate at yeah, the end sure. of the day. But how are you going to communicate if your own culture tells you sabaji sabok go sabok you go? No, and then like if you reply it back, you're like, uh, what's the word? Like you're being disrespectful if you reply back. Mm-hmm. Whenever they're seeing you, and then you talk back, and you're, oh, they're like, oh, now you're being disrespectful. My point, my point here, my point here is this: trying to make you understand what I'm seeing here. They're like, ah, mm-hmm. or like, oh, you're being disrespectful, and you're just there, like, shut down. Cannot, don't continue. <laughs> Eh, kalau shut down tu okay je. Usually Asian parents, especially Chinese, eh, talk back. They will escalate things. You want me to slap you, ah? <laughs> how do you talk? How do you talk to that? <laughs> it's very, it's very, it's a, it's a very difficult thing to break down tradition. You know, it's so ingrained. But I think exactly. like slowly, with uh, especially like the newer generation, with apa tu. Uh, there's new new ways of communication, and then there's new ways of understanding each other. 
I don't I don't have all the answers because I'm still learning in my life. I'm very young compared to a lot of people that are intelligent, intellectual, or in official, you know, position. But I want to uh, I think in my experience in the short life I've lived, it's simply like it's it's the experience that makes you who you are. So I I just advise anybody no matter how much you think you have so much experience, it's always to open to always like it sounds cliche, but a lot of people don't understand. They actually don't do this all the time. They think, oh, kalau saya pergi, they go to all the different countries to on holiday, a lot of different states on holiday. That's enough for like, you know, gaining different experiences and point of views. But it's not that. I mean, even in your own campus, you just talk to people of different races, people you've never talked to, people even people that you view as annoying. If you actually get to understand them, yeah, that's how you gain experience. So it's like my best advice I could give is to just you know. Be more open-minded. Like no matter how open-minded you think you are, whenever you see someone you might hate or you might dislike, you might disagree with, you just sit down and talk to them, and maybe you'll get some sort of like revelation. Like, oh, okay, now now I get it. You know, you don't have to travel the world. It's literally your next door neighbor. Like actually, you know, you know, uh, a funny thing that you mentioned traveling. Um, I I worked with a German um, director once, and he. he yeah, yeah. Uh, no, a German director. It's a, oh. It was an American production. But it's a German director. And he said to me, I, I do not understand these people and their love for traveling. It is very insignificant and very fake. Because if you go to a different country, uh, you will see the people there who are uh, very kind to you. And you think that they're very happy very generous but i can act like i am generous i can act like your friend for three weeks that is fine but when you finally see them for three months every day seeing their face you will learn whether or not they hate you nobody can act that long nobody can pull off that you know Hi, howdy neighbor. You like like a cup of coffee, that kind of thing for you know, three years, the rest of their life, no. And people who say that they love traveling because they learn other cultures. No, you don't actually learn the culture. You learn how they act towards you in the first mm-hmm. couple of weeks because you're a visitor, you're a tourist. They don't want people to go back thinking, Holy crap, Germans are rude. No. You know, nobody cares after like a couple of months that you've been there. Nobody cares about you anymore. You're not new blood. You're not a tourist. Nothing exciting. You're, you're not, now one of them, in fact. And that's when you start seeing the cracks. You start seeing how they truly are. And I mean, yeah, to, to your point, be more open-minded. Yes. But at the same time, just be with them. Learn them. Take the time. Take the time to to know who they are inside and out. Yeah, that's like that's that's something I, I you know I I agree with. It's the idea that you know people. I think there was a Japanese saying for it. Right? Like I think might be wrong. <laughs> Where like you you everybody has like two or three masks, and each mask is presented to like different groups of people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know a few people who has masks. <laughs> like, all right. Well, I mean, now it's MCO. All of us have masks. <laughs> Everyone has masks now. No, not a small mask. <laughs> Everyone's okay, wearing masks so, everywhere you look. 
be more normal right so that kind of stuck um but um so when when you know it, it, it had to get to that stage where it was really really rough for me and I, the first thing that was going through my mind when i wanted to approach somebody when i, I really wanted to tell somebody about this as to why i'm i'm you know struggling with making friends with with communicating with people with with trying to to you know just be me right i yeah the first thing that really went through my mind was if i told them this and this was just the first year you know like how would the rest of my life be like and so i i told one and um uh yeah luckily that that one lecturer didn't um do much about it you know he listened but he didn't have the power anyway to do much about it but he, he was a good listener and so he he also introduced me to miss arena actually and and that's how i got into counseling and all that um but other than that you know to to try and tell them all of this you you kind of have to weigh number one, is it worth the 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 backlash is it worth the stigma of of going through the rest of your life in that company in that um school in that class being labeled the weirdo the outcast the mental retard you know is it is it worth all of that and it is precisely that you don't know how people are going to react you don't know how what people are going to do with that information that you just keep quiet you 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 don't dare to say it at all and um and of course i did tell a few of my other lecturers and um you know the eventually word got around and i don't want to point fingers i don't want to name names but yeah that's that's um that's what happened and it's not it's not a fun thing it wasn't a fun thing and i've i've literally had people tell me um you know you, you you to my face nobody likes you because you're an asshole what no, that's a joke thing to do <laughs> well and then there's also lecturers who said to me um yami tak ada orang nak sama team dengan you kalau semua orang tak suka you siapa yang ada problem I'm not going to say what the lecture, who the lecturer was but I mean and <laughs> yeah well yeah I I know that is it is depressing it's um, but anyway um okay so let's stop being depressing uh <laughs> no it's fine <laughs> I mean I mean you can you can sort of tell my my character is I I use um comedy i use humor as as like a defense humor mechanism. sort of defense mechanism. yeah, yeah. Uh, i've yeah. seen that a lot especially in my more uh uh but my my friends are more you know different you know mm-hmm. because uh it's it's a it's a it's a way to like distract other people from seeing like your own vulnerability even mm-hmm. as a you know you know normal person sometimes in like specific vulnerable situations you distract others you know oh, forget about my weakness for a while until you were insulted you know mm. so I'll make a stupid joke and you'll ignore it so but i think <laughs> i think in this situation it, it's fine jimmy you can just go on out it's fine okay um where, where was i then um 
Yeah, so that yeah, yeah I, I I told them and then then comes the the more depressing problem in that what what sort of accommodation yeah can can you expect this isn't london this isn't america like what what sort of accommodation i mean if i told my my london lecturers yeah i've got autism you know they would know okay i i should not put him in a group because I have anxiety. I, I meeting even one person is very anxiety inducing for me. But um, yeah, I mean that that is how you know they would react in in the West and in more advanced countries because they they have this thing of yeah we understand it we understand what we should do. In Malaysia, on the other hand, you tell them that, and to them it's just oh, you got this. Uh, uh you you show me documentation. Uh? Okay, so I showed them the documentation that says I have this diagnosis, and then what? My life didn't get any easier now. In fact, I went through. It, it, it was already quite bad to begin with. People calling me assholes and all that. But I think in in the second year, I, I literally had one of my group mates because I, I was in. We we all had a project, right? We have to you have a group, and. They just said to me, Jeremy, semua orang tak suka you. I think for screening nanti, you lebih baik you tak join us lah. So that should tell you. I mean, that was how life was. You know, so what I, whether or not I would advise people to to come out and and say to their lecturers. I mean, if you're in good company. Sure, if you're with lecturers who know how to do their jobs, go ahead. If people were more accepting, people were more kind, yeah, tell them. I think it really does all like, simply boil down to the idea that many people just aren't aware of stuff. Yeah, like when they get to know about your problems, like you said, like in the West, they generally have much more knowledge of this. So like when you ask your London lecturers, they'll be more accommodating. But in Malaysia, it really does all like it's a big simplification. But sometimes simplifying stuff helps, and it's the right way to go. And it all just simplifies to the idea that people just need to overcome the stigma, and there really needs to be like an actual, uh, like an education towards these things, because like. In my experience in um, elementary and secondary school, you don't get taught these things, like mental illnesses. So people that do have them live their whole lives, you know, in difficulty. You know, like you, especially with your lectures and then your friends uh, mistreating you, thinking that they understand you, you know, thinking that you're just simply a jerk. And then for people that don't have mental illnesses, it'll be like they'll they'll always think like you know everybody's the same as me, eh? maybe a bit different, but generally speaking, if someone acts way off, then you know they're probably just being me. I'm in the right, you know, or me and my friends are in the right. They're they're the exclusion. They're the exclusion. They're not the they're not the norm. They're the acceptance. So it really does boil down to education or to awareness, but. It's it, it it's it's like what you said, uh, like you'd rather be in hell because 
uh, you can't. I can't really tell. Nobody can tell when. Uh, I, I want to say Malaysia, but I think generally, even in the world, especially if you see on the internet, even in the West with all the accommodations, there's still like, uh, there's still this stigma. In Malaysia, the stigma is bigger. So like, you you can't really know. Like even in the like even in the West, when you say it's a modern state and whatnot, but they still have the stigma. In Malaysia, we still have this big stigma. Like, when that stigma going to go away? You know, it's it's going to get smaller, or probably it's not even going to get smaller. It's probably just going <laughs> to stay the same for like the next thousand years. So, like, or it could grow bigger. I mean, the population of the world bigger. increases. It could <laughs> grow bigger. It could grow bigger when you know. I mean. <laughs> Especially when people, uh, you you see like a lot of um, ads these days. Like I've seen a lot of ads uh, try to, they 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 try to target, especially with COVID. You know, people that uh, lack uh, monetary, you know, monetary ah, security. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've seen mm-hmm. those ads like, oh yeah, do this business and whatnot, right? But uh, a lot of these ads, uh, other than being very predatory towards monetarily insecure people they're very you know pinpointing like if you're lazy or you're poor because you're lazy you know they they on the bigger picture they're literally just really stomping on people with mental health problems so like when you say it could get bigger yeah that's when the idea came pop in my head like with these ads becoming normalized maybe that could actually get bigger because people are thinking oh you know maybe you're not making one million dollars because you're not you're lazy yeah that's right <laughs> you know exactly, yeah. so that's a very possible big possibility like yeah. <laughs> so i could but say I, the answer is education but then yeah when will that happen and if it ever happens then we'll just get bigger you know it's really hard but, but that does that does bring up an, an interesting point because if i if i ask you right now right um what is the formula for uh, pressure? We've all studied physics, right? What was yeah. the formula for pressure? Mm-hmm. It's I force over it force it's over for, area. Yeah. Force over an area, yeah. Um, but you know, if if it doesn't affect you, it, if it isn't part of your SPM syllabus, would you bother learning that? I mean, now yeah. in in your in your kind of line of work, FCM, right? Um, how how often have you used that that pressure <laughs> equals force over the unit area? How, how often have you used that? In fact, how often have you used dy dx or d two y dx squared or f equals ma or e equals mc squared? You know what? The last one, e equals mc squared, I've used that quite a lot now because. E equals mc squared is actually Einstein's uh, formula for the conservation of energy. So E, energy, if you want to conserve it, is mc squared. You need to take two mcs, that's why you conserve a lot of energy. (coughs) Yeah, it's an old joke, don't worry. (laughs) But that that kind of, back back to what I was asking, right? How, How are you going to get people to learn about these things when, like I've shown you, if it doesn't affect you, if you don't have it, if you don't know somebody who has it, if nobody around you has this, See, why? What is the motivation for you to learn? Yeah, that's that's like a really good point because like the only reason, like one of the main reasons why I'm accustomed to the idea of like mental health is because uh, I personally uh, grew up 
with friends, you know, as a, at a young age. And also, like, this sort of natural interest in psychology. But, like, other people haven't. They haven't grown up around that environment. And then, like, I have a few friends who I've just met in college. He's currently taking internship. Uh, he knows about it. He knows about mental health disorders because his one of his family members has is part of the spectrum. So that's the thing. In my experience, everybody I've known that has taken mental health disorders very seriously, there's always been people that have known other people with actual, you know, mental health disorders. Other people that then have never encountered it prefer to not even, you know, acknowledge its existence most of the time. So that's like a really good point. And it, it does it does add to the question of like, you know, will it ever get smaller? Because there's no there's no direct incentive. But I, I would wager if we live in a perfect world, the incentive would simply be to just try to understand other people. But, you know, we don't live in a perfect world. But mm-hmm. may, maybe, you know, as as cynical as you can be, maybe there's a possibility you can be, you can think like if, if, the, if like certain other countries can do it, even if it's not fully, you know, the stigma hasn't been destroyed, Maybe even if it takes a thousand years, it's still a possibility. Maybe we need to be a part of that movement. You know, our generation, the younger generation. So that's why like our group are, is doing like this project. We're, we're, we're just a university project. We know our limitations, but you know, uh, with, it's, 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 it's the fact that it's not only us. I believe there's a lot more other people within our generation that are doing these things, posting. Like you see Twitter, for all the toxicity Twitter is, that there's this whole section of Twitter that's pretty decent where it's people just posting their mental health experiences, their, uh, what their friends are experiencing. Their, sometimes you'll have this post of like mental health institutions where they provide information. So you can see like in our generation, there's more of a movement towards trying to uh, decrease that stigma. So I, I personally have like, you know, maybe I, ha- I have hope. Like, um, with us doing this, it, it, it feels like a small spec. What our group is doing is just a small spec, but you know, banyak-banyak abuk dalam bilik pun nanti kumpul ga kan. So that's, that's, that's what I'm thinking. I, I feel like, you know, what you say is very true and it's very worrying. But, uh, but you know, as long as we put in the effort, even if we die without seeing our results, our effort will go a long way. So, you know, there's that. It's always like, just, just do whatever effort you can do, even if you die not seeing the product. You know? And that, that's, that's what I respect, especially about you, because uh, you still joined. <laughs> even though you graduated, you still joined the Pierce Council School. So that's an example of you, you know, doing whatever effort you can do to help others, even if you die not seeing any of that product. <laughs> you know, there's, as long as you put in effort, it, it goes a long way, you know. No, I like uh, helping yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not that. You, you have any, any questions? questions right now, but I, I do have. Need, I do need like one advice because uh, since uh, you're autistic and you have ADHD, um, how did your parents or like any of your family members reacted when you were confirmed diagnosed? Though? Because well, I recently had, I recently knew, I recently learned or knew that I have a family member that's, I just got diagnosed. That child can do anything, basically. I just want, like, what advice do you have for a family member? 
Oh God, this is oh <laughs> you. You don't ask many questions, but when you do, wow! <laughs> Those power punches right I mean, in your face. Yeah, I like. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like Najmira because oh. I didn't really. I learned some of those, but I not really focused on it until like recently, that mm. I was more exposed to these things. And then I start. Mm. I try to understand more instead of like tabooing with like others, at some other people. Like, oh, nah, you're not supposed to learn those things. Or like, nah, it's not mm. really important. <laughs> Just want to okay. understand more. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, your your question is, um, how should they react, right, to yeah. a diagnosis? There is no right or wrong answer to this. Um, I will tell you that right now, there is no right or wrong answer. Every reaction is a valid reaction from condemnation to admiration to, um, you know, tolerance and acceptance. They're all perfectly valid and acceptable. Um, but I, one thing that I do, you know, feel that is, very good or a positive thing is how you meant how you mentioned that um you know this kid can do anything that is you know how how i would have wanted people to have um looked at me instead of you know saying oh he's got this uh, then maybe he cannot do that or um maybe we should not enroll him in this or yeah those those were, were things that I heard growing up and uh, they were things that you know if I had tried maybe I would have succeeded I don't know I did not try them but what I do um, want to to applaud is yeah uh, Sophia's um, reaction to it is is a commendable step in the right direction I want to ask because like uh, going back to like the bigger picture of like mm. this whole podcast and also that the uh, my group itself is this idea that like mental health is a spectrum way. Mm. So it's like everything you've said here is very helpful on this idea that people should be more open minded and accepting that like not everyone looks at the sky when they have autism, you know. <laughs> but I just want to know if like have you had any experience where somebody literally just confronts you with the idea that like they don't believe you have autism because you're not doing certain things that they believe autistic people should do. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can expect it, yes, but, you know, elaborate on like, the challenges <laughs> that comes. Like, what, what's the ramifications of the, those things, you know? Uh, the, the, you know, it is, it is everywhere where, when, when you ask about depression, that it's just not, yeah. not just for autism, it's depression, it's everything. Any people will say, yeah, people will just say, hey, don't look whatever, insert mental health thing there. As if there is a look to it. I, I don't know. I, I don't how understand that, how... How are you supposed to look like? How you... <laughs> exactly. Right? How, how are you supposed to look autistic? That, that again, Sophia, that is that is true. How, how are we supposed to look depressed? How are we supposed to look uh, autistic? How are we supposed to look any sort of way? And to answer your question... Um, elaboration would be, yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting how 
that how far people go out of their way to deny you that that truth that you have yeah. you know and uh, there was this one time when i was talking to a, a chinese guy uh, i'm not going to say if it's family or friend or teacher or whatever but chinese okay and this would show you the mentality of the the people i said that i have autism and he just looked at me like what what is that autism never here before leh and i said well i'm wired differently in the head and he's like ah, how you know maybe maybe your parents didn't teach you properly lah that's all what <laughs> 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 oh my god so that should give you an idea <laughs> No, I've I've heard a lot of bad things, but then that 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 that's a top ten. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's no look to it, but people are so desperate to give it a look. I think it's just to simplify things, to make it easier for them. And then, like, it's it's not like they're trying to give it like a certain look because they care. Like, oh, I don't want you to take autism because I care about autistic people. Because, like you said, like when people ask you, like, oh, you don't look autistic, and then you do that thing, right? And then they react like really, you know, like oh, they take a step back. It's like it's like they're saying, you know, if you did have those features that they claimed were like of autistic. Autism or what made a person autistic, they would still take a step back. Yes. So it's like they're not saying, "Oh, I want to protect the definition of autism." No, they they literally don't care, and they yes. just want to pretend like they care, and that's the mm-hmm. and that's really problem problematic. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, because like, or any mental health, whether it's autism, ADHD, or depression, like there's mm-hmm. there's a spectrum, and then that that they're all valid. Like autism, there are people that. Uh, experience autism like I have a friend who has a little brother uh, <laughs> in this podcast we talk a lot with a lot of anonymous names we don't <laughs> give our names so I have a friend <laughs> because it's very dangerous so my friend mm-hmm. in secondary school and then uh, she has a little brother mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, her little brother is autistic he's on the spectrum and he's very capable he's very creative he's very uh, he's he's like the creative type like the, the ones you see in movies he's he is what you, what the average Malaysian would think of a person who has autism. Very quiet, not very active, but very creative, you know, and whatnot. Right? And that's very valid. They exist. And but when you sort of use that as your example of what an autistic person should look like, you devalue every other person, including yourself, Jeremy, a very talkative person. Mm-hmm who also has autism and it makes it very difficult. And then it's also like implying that when you look at that uh, person that is literally cookie cutter of what you expect to be autism, you're trying to say, oh yeah, I'm, you know, he has problems, you know, because mental health is not a spectrum, it's a little box. He fits that box perfectly. He's very problematic in that sense. And that in itself is really a bad way to look at things. Because mm. even then, even if you think he fits the cookie cutter box of what an autistic person is, he might have different capabilities that you are not even aware of that you block mm. from him experiencing because you think, oh yeah, he fits this this sort of notion of like what that I know what he should do because I've seen movies like that. That's how they treat that guy. I'm going to treat this guy like how they treat in the movies. Right? So yeah, mm. uh, other than autism, there's also depression. 
<laughs> depression is the most popular thing when people, you know, sort of you mm. know, tell you like tell tell certain people, oh, you can't have depression. You're not, you're not jumping off a building. <laughs> mm, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like not suicidal. I don't want to throw those people <laughs> off a building myself. <laughs> suicidal tendencies are, is like a different uh, category of mental health disorder. Being depression doesn't necessarily mean you're suicidal. That's definitely yeah. valid. But you shouldn't look at all the depressed people and be like, they all want to end it. Some of them just really have a difficult time, you know, looking at the bright side of things. And it's all like a very, it's a complicated thing that happens in the brain. You can't, you can't just say, oh, that doesn't exist. <laughs> you don't have depression because I say so, it's fine. You can't oh, just do that. But people do that. People don't realize everything is like, it's not cookie cutter lah. Long story short, mm-hmm. it's not cookie cutter. Uh, humans are like mental health disorders. Humans in general lah, but like we want to specify mental health disorders like a trait of cookies lah. You mm. you you use the same cookie cutter, right? You yeah. you have the same uh about to uh, same terms to determine you know what diagnosis to give them. So all depressed depressed people have that cook- the same cookie cutter. But in the end, the cookie still has like its own differences. Not every yeah. cookie exactly look it's the same. Imperfections there, so, the, yeah, the, yeah. the imperfections, the mm-hmm. the little of the the coloring and whatnot, the amount mm-hmm. of chocolate chips on the cookie. Yes, that's that's, exactly. that's the way I see like mental health disorders. You you yeah. can't just say everyone you know has to fit this definition. Mm, very good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well said. Well said. Yes, and that that sort of brings me um to this because I, I think a couple of weeks ago there was a seminar about depression. Right? Were, were you guys in it? I, I don't think so. I wasn't. In, I wasn't oh. aware of it. Oh, because so was like, it like an um. Or like a national thing, or was it an? Oh no! It, it was. It was the. Uh, it was sent in the peer counselors group, and they. I think Miss Ayu, uh, Hi, uh, she she sent the link and said there's a seminar about depression, and whoever oh, wants to join. I think it, I do remember she was sending the link. Uh-uh. I, yeah, I yeah. didn't get to join because of it. It was near Ayu. I think so. I think it was a, yeah, a, a week or two before Ayu. Uh, okay. Oh, a week or two before. I, okay, in that mm-hmm. case, I might have not been aware of that. <laughs> I see. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you did see the link, right? Yeah, I see. I yeah. Saw okay, so I, I I was part of that um, seminar, and I was just sitting in the background. I didn't want to, you know, draw attention to myself. Um, and the, one of the students asked, like, how how can we help them? We, we I try so much. I try my best to to uh, give them a safe space. You know, tapi the orang masih tak nak tak nak apa ni? Don't want to get better. Like okay. <laughs> um, that that I mean, I've I've had depression before, and it's like there's no there's no amount of um, help. Help, yeah. If if let's say a person doesn't want help, there's no amount of help that you can give that will make them feel, you know, anything at all. Because some days, even I, I, I didn't even want to wake up sometimes, and I just wanted, yeah, I I wanted it all to end, but it's not end my life. It's just, you I just wanted want it to end. You wanted yeah. everything to just black out, like these people. You're in a black space sometimes. Yes, something like that. Yeah, and it it was just so you know. You, you cannot trust anyone at that point in time. You just cannot trust anyone. And even if they try their best, no matter how hard they try to give you a safe space, you won't feel safe at all. And 
what you were talking about just now, um, you know, wanting to, to throw himself off a roof and all that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's that sort of uh, thing where, you know, depression, just like autism and everything else, has, has degrees to it. You know, for when, how, how badly it affects you. And the, the worst one that I've ever had was I just didn't want to do anything. I, I couldn't do anything at all. And it's hard even to, to want to throw myself off a building at a point. But when, when you mention all of this, it sort of brings up the, the idea, the, the mentality of how are you going to tell people, um, that these different degrees do actually exist and yeah there's the cookie cutter and everything else but how are you going to let people know that um look this sort of autism exists but so do these other forms so do these other depressions so do these other things how are you going to you know bring it to their attention that's a very difficult thing to do in general i guess because yeah. like even even like without the idea of a spectrum, in Malaysia the stigma still exists on like you know not acknowledging the existence of like depression itself anyway. So now we have to deal with acknowledging depression as a spectrum, which uh, when when we tap into the mindset of people that like to ignore mental health disorders, they like to believe that every human is the same or like not not the same but like every human can do all the things similarly. So if you can't do something, you're simply lazy, or if you can't answer a question, you're just dumb. So there's there's no, like, you're, you're, you don't have mental disorders. Because when you acknowledge mental disorders, you're, like, acknowledging oh. humans sometimes, you know, they're not stupid, but rather they're just better at something else, you know. It makes people that not acknowledge them feel less of themselves. You know, they feel like, oh, what? I'm not better than him? He just has autism and like a lot of people hold that belief. And I think that's the thing. Like one one, it's bad to always believe that you can be better than other people. And second, just because like another person is bad at something because of a mental health disorder, doesn't mean it's on you. Because some people they're like they experience bad days, they're sad, and then they have a friend who has depression. And then they don't acknowledge that depression. Because they feel if they acknowledge that depression, that means that when they're sad, it doesn't mean anything. Because when you have depression, it's worse. But no, when you're sad, even as a neurotypical, I acknowledge mental health disorders, even all, even the spectrums. It doesn't mean that I lessen myself. When I'm sad, I am sad. I am legitimately sad. I'm not going to deny that. When I'm having bad days, I'm having bad days. When I'm not able to answer a question, I just, uh, you know, I can't answer that question. You know, because we're all human. We all have our limitations. And we all have our capabilities. So, like, my thing to people that, you know, try to deny mental health disorder, the existence, is because they want to think everybody is the same. And they want to think, like, you know, oh, if I acknowledge Nanti, maybe I'm not, you know, I'm not valid. You're still valid. You don't have to invalidate yourself to, to validify others. And then on the idea of trying to make the spectrums of mental health disorders more visible, I think the only way we could ever achieve that is simply 
by you know by the thing that we're doing right now is like our generation just you know it goes back to how I answered earlier lah. I don't think I can give a better answer than that. It's like you know you do whatever you can, and then in our group's case, we uh, we uh, spread little posts to all the friends within our college about like how uh, we have like posts where we acknowledge how certain disorders have different symptoms and you don't have to have all the symptoms and then sometimes certain disorders overlap like how PTSD and ADHD overlap a lot or ADHD and autism most commonly misdiagnosed between each other so by the little things we do we hopefully like you know because back in the day it was way worse right like people people didn't even acknowledge like uh, I remember like uh, you know how there's this postnatal depression, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, after uh, a mother gives birth, they may mm-hmm. undergo severe depression. Yep. Back in the old days, in Malay culture, we didn't believe in postnatal depression. We believed in kenaraso. Uh, so mm-hmm. it was the idea that uh, if a mother gives birth and goes crazy, it's simply because she's being, you know, uh, she she just, you know, she there's like a a spirit inside her body. But now, because we know of postnatal depression, instead of uh, keeping the uh, the mother who just gave gave birth locked in a room, uh, sometimes making the case worse, or you know sometimes putting her on drugs to make her sleep. Now we know how to handle the situation, and then there's uh, hospitals that provide uh, specific rooms for these mothers to have counselling, and now it's much more uh, accessible. And now postnatal depression is a norm. Like everybody, like. Or uh, everybody, uh, doctors will always ask the question to mothers who just gave birth. Well, what have you been experiencing this past week? So, like, we use that as an example, you know. Well, one day maybe, you know, we can, uh, especially nowadays, like, and this is my experience with, like, my friend group, is uh, is the idea that, like, uh, when you have a specific person that might have the symptom, even if they're not getting diagnosed, we still, you know, we still acknowledge them. We still validate them. We're like, oh, you might be experiencing like hypersensitivity and whatnot, right? Like, mm-hmm. even if they don't have an official diagnosis, because it's very difficult to get that uh, right now, uh, we'll be more supportive of that. And if my friend group is an indication of my generation as a whole, then there's a little bit of hope in that, I think. So, yeah, mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, it's, it's more of a, like an exposure, like, yeah, it's like when you get exposed to like your friends that have it, uh, when you get exposed to like certain, you know, there's the platform, social like Instagram pages that are about mental health and with the increasing popularity of those, lots more exposure. And it also goes back to the idea of like, you know, you don't have to go outside of countries to gain experience. So like, I think, I think ultimately my answer to that would be like exposure and experience and like the little things we do that will accumulate one day. Maybe, maybe we'll, you will break the stigma. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> well, let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> let's hope so. I, I want, I want it. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Um, Najwa, any question? I mean, I also want to add one thing though yeah. from Najmi saying like, don't taboo it. If they were to ask questions, expose it more. Yeah. Answer yeah, yeah. with more details. So because they, because. So we can have better understanding, basically. And like, oh. Yeah, because like, sometimes when people ask questions, we shut them down way too quickly. Mm. And I think, I think, yeah, what Najwa is saying is very correct. And that's what like, that's what like our, our group is trying to do. 
Like people yeah. who send us questions, we answer in like very elaborative ways. And even even if it's like a stupid question, like, yeah, stupid, will... quote unquote stupid. No, there's also a quote unquote. There is no stupid questions. Yeah, exactly. That's it's always <laughs> that's the point. A good. It's always question. valid. Yeah, there's never Is a stupid it? question. But that also brings up a different point. It's like, yeah, if people want to ask and want to learn more about it, are we capable and equipped enough to answer the questions then? Yeah, and that's that's a heavy one. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, we can't answer everything. But once we can't answer something, it's always best to lead them to the specific sources, like the websites and whatnot. And it always helps, like... Because a lot of people, like, surprisingly, like, after mm. doing this project, like, you start to realize a lot of people don't know these websites exist. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. us giving them the link is doing a lot more than we expect, actually. Mm. I understand. So, yeah. Um, I think... I, I think oh, oh. Shit, <laughs> so, I think... Uh, Naja, do you have any questions left? Mm, can't think of any right now, but yeah. Oh, okay, so it's already 10. I think it's been an hour and 30 minutes. It's been a very productive hour and 30 minutes. We'd like... Uh, I'm glad you so, think so. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, th- I think this has been really great, really great, because, um, yeah, I was really excited to invite you on this podcast, because, like, <laughs> with your experience and whatnot, I mean, if if I can just leave with with just one thing, right, to to the general populace would be, treat everyone like a decent human being, man. That's it. Yeah, please, it's not that hard. It's, it's not yeah. that. So at the end of the day, I think I think we've learned a lot, and we hope uh, this podcast, anybody listening to it, can learn a lot from this group. So uh, at the end of the day, I would like to thank uh, Jeremy and also uh, Gladys <laughs> for coming in. So thank you, Jeremy, for uh, talking with us on this podcast and everything, providing us with your experiences. And it was a pleasure. We, <laughs> it was it was our pleasure. Too. So we we hope you're the best on your journey, and mm. you know uh, all the best for everything else in your life. <laughs> it was fun. It's a you, fun session. Yeah, both of you as well. All the best. I, I hope we, we meet again in the future. <laughs> Yeah, me, me too. Yeah, we hey, we're both in FCM, so who knows? Maybe we'll work on the project oh, together. Yeah. <laughs> if you need a voice actor, let me know. We'll definitely hey, call I, you up. I got your contact. Okay. Sure, sure. Anytime, anytime. I'll be more than happy to help. <laughs> okay, Jeremy. Thank you. Right. Uh, thank, thank you for today. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, Jeremy. To all our listeners, we hope you enjoyed the podcast and that it has provided you with something to take away with. You can follow us on our social media if you want to learn more about mental health as a spectrum or any mental health related issues. The links will be provided in the description below if you are listening on YouTube. That is all from us in this episode. We hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Goodbye.